Everyone gets offended from time to time. No real way to avoid it. In fact, Jesus even said that offenses are sure to come. The real question is, how do you handle offense? What are you supposed to do if you get offended? And what do you do if you've offended someone else? Does the Bible have anything to say about that? Well, yes, the Bible has a lot to say about offense and being offended. As I was doing the research on this, I was blown away uh, with what the Bible has to say. And so obviously that's my message tonight. I'm offended. <laughs> Ooh, what a message. I said either we're going to get set free tonight or pastor's going to have an empty pew, a uh, few of them on Sunday. So you might want to take some notes tonight because uh, there's a lot we really need to go through. But I'm believing that there'll be breakthroughs tonight from this message. Uh, and that's why we do what we do up here. We don't do it just to do something. You at home as well, live streaming right now. We're believing God for breakthroughs that you are set free by what God has to say in these messages. And we're just so humbled that we get to be where we are and to guide, help guide you uh, in these messages. So uh, actually I was set free in a couple areas just by doing this. And that's really good. But offend, let's see what that means. The word offend means to be unpleasant, to irritate, annoy, to humiliate, to hurt, or cause displeasure. That's what offend means. Now, being offended on the other end means resentful, annoyed, upset, insulted, hurt, wounded, disgruntled, put out, angry, cross, irritated, vexed, irked, and even stung. That's a lot of what offended really means. And I found this article that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I don't think this guy is a Christian. His name is Bill Apapalaza, blah, blah, blah. Sounds like a Bible name. But uh, I thought it was really good for this message. So I'm going to read it to you. He says, there is an epidemic in the world today, and we are all carriers of this disease. It's called offendinitis. <laughs> a skin condition where the thickness of our skin melts away to the point where everything offends us. It's pretty good, I think. Symptoms may include hurt feelings, indignation, irritability, disappointment, grumpiness, and all around allergic reaction to anyone who says or does something that we don't agree with or that we don't like. Offendinitis. Whew. Lord help me. It says, for many of us, we don't even know that we are walking around with this virus. But it's there, all right, destroying our peace of mind and the cells we have in our bodies. And on a side note to that, the Bible does say that if offense isn't taken care of, then it could lead to what? Bitterness. And then bitterness leads to physical sickness, which could even lead to cancers and other incurable diseases, all because of offense. Uh, even in the Bible, I found that Proverbs 14.30 says that jealousy is rottenness to your bones. Wow. So offense is a big deal. All right, he also says, being offended doesn't just hurt our feelings. It compromises our whole happiness immune system. So go ahead. You can say it. It's only three words. I get offended. <laughs> Don't worry. You're not alone. We all do. In fact, there are almost nothing we don't get offended by, about by today and in today's society and world that we live in. We get offended by someone rolling their eyes or shaking their head. Uh, as easily as we get offended when we are ignored, picked on, talked about, not talked about, overworked, underappreciated, and even taken for granted. What about when someone cuts you off on the road? <laughs> Jesus, I'm so sorry. God, this is hard. <sighs> or jumps in front of you in line at the supermarket. That happened to Nicole and I at Christmas. Remember that? I mean, we had a nice big cart though. And all of a sudden the lady says, you two come on over here. And we go and this. And I just looked at Nicole and I'm like, okay, whatever. Okay, go ahead. I wasn't offended. <laughs> okay, or doesn't say thank you 
when you think they should or think they or thought that they should say thank you to you. We get offended by parents who don't control their kids in restaurants. Can I hear an amen? Friends who don't invite us to their parties. Can I hear another amen? And, <laughs> and neighbors who refuse to pick up their dog's poop when he's done. Man, that's irritating. Oh, and my neighbor has two of them dogs. Uh, uh. <laughs> and the offenses that come our way due to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, well, you could write a whole other book about that. So, wow, he had some great insights on offendinitis. <laughs> and let me just ask you this question. Have any of you ever been offended in here? Raise your hand if you have. I can guarantee you that sometime in your life, you will be offended by something or someone. Number one, I just asked you that question. Have you ever been? And did you see that most of the congregation raised their hands? Now, Steve, you raised your hand. You've been offended before about something or somebody. Are you still offended? No. How did you take care of it? How did you deal with it? I just let it go. You let it go. Okay. <sighs> Regina, you've been offended by somebody or something in the past? Yes? Uh-oh. <laughs> Besides Brother Philip, okay. All right. Are you still offended? No. What did you do to get rid of the offense? You prayed and let it go. And it worked. Did it really? Okay. All right. I'm not even going to ask you how you prayed because I'd like, I like to know. What, what did you say? Lord, save them and then kill them? You asked for forgiveness for yourself. Whoa. Okay, did you do that too, Steve, or did you just let it go? You did it both ways. Okay, all right. I can guarantee that everyone will be offended. Number one, you saw the hands. But number two, Luke 17, 1, this is in red. This is Jesus speaking. He said, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. Stop right there. Jesus said, they're coming. They're going to happen to you. It's going to happen. Like the day, like the night, offenses are coming. You're not going to be able to get around it. I can't tell you how many times that people have been offended about something here at the church that have left. I was trying to think of some, because I don't get in all the conversations in the, in the office. I'm, that's way above my pay grade. So I... I stay away from all that because I just don't want to hear it all. But I remember somebody got offended because we put a little fountain out front, out there. That was my idea, by the way. And they got offended. Why, the church don't need a fountain? And they left the church because they were offended over a fountain. I thought it made the church look nice, you know, until, of course, you had to clean it all the time. And then, then the water evaporated all the time. And then it fountain broke. And. So they left because of that. Another time, Pastor Phyllis just told me this a while back. She saw somebody in a store she hadn't seen for a long time. And she said, oh my gosh, it's so nice to see you. Where have you been? You used to come to church. You don't come to church anymore. And she said, well, I was in your church once and I looked over and I saw a consider the poor bin. And it said, consider the poor right on the bin. And you know what? Poor people don't need to know that they're poor. I said, she said that to you. And Pastor Phil said, she said that to me. I said, that's not what that even means. She said, I know it. But I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, have a nice day. <laughs> it's so we know that we can give to poor people or people that are in need. That's why it says consider. It doesn't, it's not for the poor people. But if she would have just said something and not got offended and left, then she would have understood what that was about. Amen? Amen? I remember another time somebody left the church because they were upset that we were passing out communion to people that he or she knew that shouldn't take communion because they weren't right with God and they were offended that we were giving them communion. That's not between us. That's between them and God. Not even between him or her. And they were upset. And, well, I don't think that should happen. And so they leave the church. Wow, boom, is what I thought when I heard about that. Brother Philip, here's something that's bad. And I'm picking on you just because of your color. Pretty good looking, you're 
I, I am jealous. I got to go pay for, I got to go pay to get your color, brother. <laughs> I hear people say to people like Philip and other people that attend here that are of color, why you go down to that white man's church? Am I not, I'm not lying. People say that. Yeah, Ella, you've heard it. People say that. I don't even think that we have a color, a wall that's colored white around here. It's all tan. I mean, there's no white man's church out on the building anywhere, right? We all are color. We all are different color. We all bleed the same. And let me tell you, the word is rich here in Botkins. And so people get offended at other people for coming down to the white man's church. Now, okay, I do have to say one thing. Pastor sings like a white man. You know what I'm saying? And he dances like a white man. He ain't got no soul. You know what I'm saying? He ain't got no rhythm. And he ain't got no voice. But let me tell you, the ones under him do, brother. We got some soul. We swirl in this place. <laughs> I know I got some swirl in me. That's all that matters. Come on. Jeez. Hallelujah. We had a couple leave the church because Pastor and Pastor Phyllis joke on stage. Called them into the office. We want to just let you know that we are offended that you talk to each other the way you do on the stage. They were blown away. Well, this is how we are at home, too. This is how, this is how we communicate. We're not, we don't mean anything by it. Well, we don't like it. We don't talk that way to each other. And we don't think you should either in public. Well, pastor said, well, I'm sorry, but this is our personalities. And one other Sunday, they must have been picking on each other, and they said, goodbye, we're offended. Wow. Wow. Offenses are going to come. And there's so many, there's so many reasons that Pastor Pastor Phils could be offended and walk out as well. But one of the reasons why I thought of this message is Pastor said to me a while back, I'm unoffendable. And I thought, how is that possible that you can be unoffendable? He said, I'm unoffendable. Hmm, okay, I wonder if that's scriptural. And we're going to find out if that's scriptural or not. Woo, Hallelujah. All right, let me see here. Let's finish that scripture, Luke 17, 1. Where are we at? Okay. It says, but woe unto him through whom those offenses come. Do I have the second verse 17, 2 up there? If it were better for him that a millstone were hung around his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. And that right there simply means uh, a baby Christian in the Lord, or uh, a Christian that's not, um, uh, what do I want to say, uh, mature, exactly, but a baby Christian. That's what it means. So you get a picture of this, of what it's like to have a millstone put around your neck and thrown into the sea. This is Jesus talking. Can you imagine? Jesus said, it's better for this to happen to you than you offend somebody. Whoa, that right there is offensive to me. <laughs> I mean, whoa, Jesus... This is what should happen to you right here if you offend somebody else. Wow, that's crazy. Now, I have a, a little skit here that I want to uh, play out with you. And I want you to see if this has ever happened to you or if you've ever heard of this happening in a conversation. Maybe with a friend, uh, maybe with a neighbor, somebody that you know. Hit it, girls. I really need to tell you something, Alicia. Yeah, what? Okay, no offense, but if I were out in public with your hair, I would either wear a hat or shave my head. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Wait, don't be mad. I said no offense. Oh, that's right. Thanks. You're my bestie. Yeah, right. Okay, sure, that's going to happen, right? No offense, but your hair's garbage, you know. Uh, what? Wait a minute. I said no offense. Oh, that's right. Oh, cool. Okay, we're best friends. You're my bestie. That's not going to happen. Next. No offense, Britt, but the other day when you cooked for me, it was disgusting. My dog wouldn't eat that trash. You stink at cooking. Oh, yeah? Well, my cooking tastes better than hearing you sing. My dog howls louder at your noise than when a fire truck drives by with his sirens blaring. Why would you say something so hurtful to me like that? Why are you so upset? You just told me that my cooking isn't even dog-worthy. But you didn't say no offense first. <laughs> right. So that's going to really matter, right? I don't think so. Hi, Grilly. Good to see you. Yikes, girl. Like, no offense, but 
You look like death warmed over on a toilet today. What? Why would you say something like that to me? Well, it's the truth. And besides, I said no offense. Duh. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. Like, what you said was, like, so hurtful and, like, very offensive. Exactly. It doesn't. Thank you, girls. Give them a round of applause. Awesome. Thank you. It doesn't matter if you say no offense first or don't take this personally, but listen, when you say that type of stuff first, you know there's going to be trouble coming afterwards. Yes? Yeah. And, and I, I've caught myself saying that. No offense, man, but you know, that's just, and, and you like, you get a bad vibe. So it doesn't work even when you put that in front of anything that you're going to say bad. Amen? Amen. Of course not. Usually it's the small things that offend us, just like we read earlier in the article and what we see here. It's nothing really big. But it's always other people's fault. It's never our own fault. And when do we take responsibility for our own actions and ourselves? And that I'm going to get into just a little bit later because that's very important. But we hear things like, I'll forgive them when they forgive me first. What? If you're going to wait on that, you're probably going to be underground first. Yeah? What about the entitlement type of people? I'm owed this. You know, I should have this. They shouldn't have picked them. They should have picked me because of who I am. The only thing you're owed is death and judgment. That's it. Everything else you have to work for and earn. And Right? Amen. Amen. We hear things like, I'm offended because you offended me. Like you saw in the skit. What? That doesn't even make sense. Uh, we blame how we feel on everyone else. I've done that at home. Why are you shaking your head so big? Exactly. Yeah. You know, Dad, why are you so upset at us? I'm not upset at you. It's just I had a bad day. Oh, well, why are you taking that on us? Sorry. I'm sorry. We do that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't need to change. You need to change. Again, take responsibility for yourself, you know? I'm right, others are wrong. Hmm. If you would always make me feel good, then I would never get mad or offended at you. <laughs> Do we hear that at home in anybody's house? Uh-oh, over there in that household, we must hear that. <laughs> I've heard statements like, don't make me angry. Oh, they made me so mad. I'm going to bite my tongue right now. I'm going to be the bigger person in this situation. I'm not going to tell you what I really think. The fact that I'm offended proves that I am right. Hmm. Because I feel so strongly about it, I must be right. They know how to push my buttons. And here's a real good one. They're just out to get me. Whoa. We hear a lot of statements about offense. But here's the problem. Easily offended people are an easy target for Satan. He sets the bait and the trap and bam, they take that bait every single time. Offended people are unhappy. They're negative. They're selfish. If they can't get their way, then they're offended. They're insecure. They feel rejected a lot. They're miserable. They feel worse than what or who they are offended at. Wow, that's crazy. They're not free. Angry people are never free. And they're unwise because God says, don't be offended. And if you're offended, then you're unwise. Yes? Amen. Now, there's lots of people in the Bible who had the potential to be offended. Or they were offended. And, or who maybe were offended at God. And let's look at some of them. Let's take Adam. Boom, right in Genesis. When he was questioned by God, why did you sin? What did he do to God? He said, it's not my fault. It's that wife that you gave me that caused me to sin. It's in there. You know? Yeah. Uh, what about Cain? God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. Cain got offended. He got mad, ultimately killing his brother. Ooh. Noah. Can you imagine poor Noah? I want you to build this weird thing. Because this weird liquid that you've never seen before is going to be coming down. And this weird thing is going to float. What? Okay, whatever, God. Now remember why he was building the ark. 
because the people of that time were horrible. So horrible, he, God was going to start over. So for 120 years, can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine the slap happiness and all the jokes and all the laughter that poor Noah got? At any time, he could have got offended and say, this is stupid, and walk away. We walk away after an hour. He had 100 years. Jeez. Poor Noah. Joseph. He could have got so offended at his father for telling him in front of his brothers that you're my favorite son. Man, dad, bam. That's ridiculous. And his brothers, of course, got offended. And then they tried to take him and kill him. And if that wasn't enough, he got out of there by God's grace, got into an awesome uh, castle or whatever uh, Pharaoh had or whoever he was. And then he was doing everything that he could right he thought, man, this is good. This is good. I'm enjoying this. And what happens? Pharaoh's wife comes on to the brother. And he said, whoa. And as he tried to get away from her, she attacked him and ripped half his clothes off when he was getting out of there. Man, I wish that would happen at home. Don't you? Can I get an amen on that? To be to God, that would happen as we walk out the door husbands. I'm confessing things that are not as so they are. <laughs> Jeez. And then he gets thrown in prison. He could have got offended at God and say, what? I've done everything right. And turned and walked away. But he didn't do it. Whew. Hallelujah. Moses. <laughs> Moses obeys God. Goes back to Egypt. Looks at Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he stands there, because God told him to go back and say it, so I know he's going to let us go. And what does Pharaoh do? Just the opposite. Puts the children of Israel into harder labor than they ever had to do before. Takes away the stuff that makes the bricks, and they had to do it even harder. They got beat worse. Whoa! Moses could have got offended, and yet his people did get offended at him and wanted to kill him. Found in Exodus 5. Moses had problems and he could have got super offended at God. You told me to do this and now my people hate me. Hmm. But he didn't. Okay, let's look at David. And for this one, let's go to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16 and we're going to start in verse 10 on this one. Now what happened, remember, God was looking for a new king. Saul was done, he was toast. He misbehaved. And so Samuel was coming to find a new king, so he goes, of course, to Jesse's house. And it starts in verse 10. Thus uh, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, man, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Uh, Samuel said to Jesse, are there any other young men here? And then he said, yeah, 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 there remains the yet the youngest. And he's out there uh, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said, well, hey, go get him, man. We're not going to sit down until he comes in. Verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, and he was, though, good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Oh, man. We knew what happened when the other brothers, you know, found out that Dad liked somebody else better. Can you imagine what these brothers thought? The ruddy one that takes care of the sheep that smells like the sheep out there? You picked him? Well, we find that out that, yeah, at least one of them got offended. And we go over to verse 60. Let's see here. I'm sorry, not 60, but uh, where am I at? 1 Samuel 16, 11. Then we're going to go to um, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 28. Yes, 17, 28. And it says here, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why do you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep uh, I in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, which means rude or disrespectful heart never read where David ever had rude or disrespectful heart. But Eliab said, I see your pride and rude heart. 
Hmm. For you have come down here to see the battle. And this must have happened not just once, but over and over again. Because the very next verse, what does David say? What have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, shut up. I've heard you long enough. Eliab was offended. David never got offended. And look what David did when he said, what now? Is there a cause? Turns around and starts talking to somebody else. He mind his own business. Wasn't offended at all. See, God knows the heart. You know, Samuel thought he knew the heart. He said, it has to be Eliab. He's strong. He's awesome. Mm-mm. No, because then you saw his heart later on. He was offendable. Very offendable. Wow. All right, let's look at uh, Gabriel and Mary. My gosh, Mary. Young Mary, minding her own business. An angel comes and said, Mary, hello, you're it, baby. Ding, 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 ding. And Mary's like, what? And the next thing you know, her engaged husband is trying to put her away quietly. You're nuts, woman. You're crazy. Can you imagine Mary with all the insults and all that shame? Man, you had sex outside of marriage? You're pregnant? Whoa, she could have got very offended at God. But she didn't. She said, so be it. And she did what she was supposed to do. Amen? Well, I can't imagine. Let's look at 2 Kings. 2 Kings 5, 2. We're talking about Naaman here. 2 Kings 5, 2. It says, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's stop right there. You're captured from another country, your own country, and you're forced to come back and serve the guy who captured you's wife? Who would be offended in here at that? Yeah, every hand better go up. Lying, lying, lying. Yes, I would be offended at that. Are you kidding me? But she didn't, and she wasn't. She ended up helping Naaman and said, whoa, whoa, I see he has a disease. Listen, call the guys over here where I used to live. Man, he's a prophet. Uh, God's on him, and he'll heal him. So what happens over here in 66? Let's read it. No, not 66. Where am I at? I'm at Kings 9. Let's run over to 9. <laughs> Kings 5.2, now we're going to go down to 5.9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of uh, Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. So Naaman's like, "Woo, hallelujah. Is that what Naaman did? Absolutely not. Naaman got ticked. He got offended. He said, oh, I'm Naaman, man. I'm somebody big. I'm somebody mind. I'm, I'm huge here. I'm somebody that should be respected. You send a messenger to my door, what does Naaman do? He said this, Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Well, that dirty dog. And then what happens? And, and he was gone. He took and he started to leave. Hey, Ed, this scripture is about you. You know that? Stand up, Ed. How many times, Ed, have you been sent by pastor as a messenger to somebody's house or to a hospital and it said, why ain't pastor here? Why he send you? Can you name any on your hands that that's happened to? I don't have enough hands. Ah, wow. Poor Ed. He, the messenger, got cackled and beat up because the pastor himself didn't come and pray for them. They were offended, just like Naaman. Oh, but Ed, you're not offended, are you? Absolutely not. But a servant steps in, came near and spoke to him and said, Ho, 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 my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? So how much more then when he has said to you, wash and be clean? Naaman got a brain and went and did what he was supposed to do, and then he was healed. Man, two offenses right there in the scripture verse. A little girl got captured, could have been offended, said, die, sucker, Die! didn't do it. Said, go and see Elisha. And he did. And then Elisha, 
Apparently he was busy. He must have been eating or something. I don't know. He said, man, go out there. This is good food. Tell him, go wash. <laughs> Two offenses that could have happened, but it didn't happen. And Naaman was healed. Woo! Is this good, guys? I'm, tell I'm telling you. All right, let's get on to bigger people here. Let's talk about Jesus himself. You know, I heard a little statement. It was somewhere. It may have been on Facebook. Jesus don't care how many scriptures you know. He only cares how much you love people. Hmm. I said, okay. It, may, it makes sense uh, until I start reading what Jesus did at certain times to certain people. Oh boy, here we go. Jesus himself, first thing he did, healed on the Sabbath. Boom. Whoa, he offended lots of people that day, including the Sadducees and Pharisees. What? How dare you do this? Man, who do you think you are? Next thing he did, calls a foreign woman a dog at the well. Yeah, dog. Hmm. Wow. All Jesus cares about is people that love other people. He called her a dog. Yeah, would you have stood there at the well if Jesus looked at you and said, you're a dog? Yeah. We'd have said, okay, whatever, dude. I'm out. See ya. Yeah, right. Wow. That was offensive. But she didn't take it that way. She could have been offended, but instead she said, yeah, well, well uh, okay, I'm a dog. But even the dog, you know, takes the scraps from the master's table. Ooh, powerful, powerful. Whew. And she got healed because of that. If she'd have walked away offended, she'd have never been healed. No, not at all. Yikes. 2,000 pigs died and ruined an economic market. When he cast out demons. And they said, may we go into the pigs? And Jesus said, go. Boom. Hit that market. All the pigs, whoo, over the cliff into the water. Bam. Economic market, gone. And the people came to Jesus and said, get out of town, please, and don't come back. True story. They were offended. Man, what did you do to our cattle? You just ruined us. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, he cleans out a temple. I don't think he walked in there and said, Hi, guys, what's up? You know, I don't really like what you're doing. I think you all need to leave. I really do. I don't want to offend you, but I think you need to leave. Uh-uh. He came in there, baby, knocking everything over, throwing people out, cleaning the temple. Did he not? Yes, he did. He said to people around him at one time or another, Oh, faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? Whoa. I mean, can you imagine people standing by him if he was here today and said that to us in church? whatever, forget you then. Faithless, I've been praying, I'm trying. We'd all walk out. This is Jesus. This is Jesus who loved everyone. <laughs> oh boy. I hope I'm making sense. I think so. Yes, I do. Let's look in John, the sixth chapter. John, the sixth chapter. Are you learning something here? A little bit about offense. All right. John, the sixth chapter. I'm trying to go fast, guys trying to go fast. But this is so good, and we're getting ready to go into the meat of it. Man, I'm just laid the foundation of offense. That's all I'm doing right now. This is like a two, three-week series. Whew. All right. John chapter 6, verse 51. Now, I'm going to lay this foundation. Jesus had just got done feeding 5,000 men and at least ten or 15,000 women and children here. All of a sudden, these people want to make him king. Oh, He's going to be our provider. This is the man right here, everybody. Woo, he just fed us. Our bellies are full. Man, but dinner's coming. <laughs> We're going to need him again. They want to make him king. Jesus says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give to is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Okay. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus didn't explain himself. He just went on and said this. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? He doesn't explain himself. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Well, all of a sudden, you go up to 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, Man, this is a hard saying. 
Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Hmm. And then if we go on down just a little bit to 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Many of his disciples. Well, then we know there were at least 15,000 of them standing around probably after dinner and was listening to him talk about eating his blood and body and flesh. Many of them were offended and walked away from him and did not walk with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, you also want to go too? He didn't go and go, oh, wait, please, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. Come back, come back, I'll redefine my body and my blood. Come back, come on, come, that's it, come on back, come on back, come on back. Let's do this again. No. Y'all want to go too? Wow. Jesus is full of love and compassion. (laughs) Matthew chapter 13, let's go there. This is more scriptures than pastor uses. Take that, Pastor, if you're watching me from Mexico. All right. (laughs) And we're going to go 13, verse 54. Jesus goes back to his own hometown. When he had come back to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, where does this man get all this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother who's called Mary and his brothers, James, uh, Joseph, Simon and Judas, not of Iscariot, of course, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not worthy or not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Well, he didn't apologize for anything. He just kept the insults coming. Huh, I see. So you just think I'm, I'm nothing because you knew who I am. Well, okay, whatever. And now he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And here's the point that happens. Jesus never offended people just to offend them. He was telling them the truth. Yes, he always did. You will never hear Jesus saying... Uh, Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, walked away, yet he would offend them. No. Many times he knew what they were thinking, and Jesus said. And a lot of times it was the Sadducees and Pharisees, and they were just like, whatever, man. Because they were hard. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to, like, scribble the law. But Jesus knew the law, and he would bring it right back. And, man, they were offended all the time. They were hard. So he used a hard word back at them. Here's a good statement. You might want to write this down. Truth is only hate speech to those who hate the truth. Let me say that again. Truth is only hate speech to those who hate the truth. And it reminds me of a movie. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) That's right. Most of the time, these people couldn't handle the truth that Jesus would throw back at them. They walked away. No healings in his own town. My goodness. They couldn't handle the truth. Now, I will always try to tell you, personally now, talking about me, always try to tell you the truth in love. I I will. will. Greg, are you laughing at me? Have I told you the truth in love before? Huh? Yes, I have. And have you been offended because of it before? Well, thank God. Hallelujah. Because offendable people don't catch the in love part when you're trying to tell somebody the truth. They think it's hate speech. Yes. And that brings me again to another reason why I felt like I need to talk about this message because on my watch, I had a family leave the church because of me not too long ago. And I'm just just out here, man, I'm going to be clear here and be transparent. I was trying to tell them in love about themselves. They hadn't been here for four weeks. 
where are you at? What's going on? And I knew inside, I just had a, a check inside, it was not what they were telling me. I knew they were lying to me. So I kept digging, and I kept pulling, and I said some things that I should have left inside. You know, you need to deal with your own insecurities. And until you do, there won't be a perfect church anywhere. I shouldn't have done that. Pastor told me to stop because I told him the situation. I told you not to go any further. I told you to stop. I said, well, I thought I had him. He said, oh, you had him all right. Yeah, you had him right out the door. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, they didn't get the love part. All right? <laughs> I just, you know, I, I've apologized to the Lord. I apologized to the pastor. I got eight out pretty bad. Uh, I'll learn one day. But I, I wanted them in here. I wanted them to start receiving. I wanted them to, hey, come on. Let's go. Get this fixed. We can help you. Let's go. And it just didn't work. They weren't ready because offended people don't, don't feel the love part. Yeah? And they didn't. So I, 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 I lost them. But, and listen to this. Proverbs 18, 19 is proof of that. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Whew. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Wow. No wonder I couldn't pull them in. They weren't listening anyway. They were offended. And so it was so hard, and I, and I lost it. But there's something that we need to look at here. When we see Jesus and what he did, there's something that you never saw Jesus do, and that was get offended back. Jesus was unoffendable. As pastor says, he is. He was unoffendable. Hmm. What did they do? They rejected him. They denied him. They abused him. His disciples went to sleep on him in the most desperate hour of his need. He could have been offended. He did say, hey, guys, couldn't you, couldn't you help me here for an hour? What's up? Judas stole from him probably all three and a half years. He never got offended. <laughs> they hung him. They picked a thief to live over him, the guy that had done more miracles that are that we can even count in all the books of history. They picked a thief over him. He still didn't get offended. And then they hung him. And what did he say on that cross? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow! Unoffendable. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. If you hold on to offense, it will abort the work of God in your life. See, it not only it builds a wall with the person that you're offended at, but it also builds a wall with God and toward God. Look, th his own town proves it. They were offended, therefore it aborted the work that he wanted to do for those people. Could do no great works in his own town because of their unbelief, because of their offense. It hinders your worship. It hinders your prayers. And as I found out, it hinders church attendance. Yeah. It stops us from making friends, getting close to people, and even loving people. That's what offense does. So now that you know about what offense is, it's time to get into the good stuff. And I only got like 10 minutes to do it. Whew. Did you just say, yep, you just offended me? No. All right. How do we become unoffendable? It can happen. Pastor was right. I love him. Psalms 119-165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and then nothing shall offend them. Wow. I said, oh my gosh. That's amazing. So those people that love the law, they'll have great peace, and then nothing shall offend them. Even though offenses are coming, they don't have to be offended. Well, what's the law? It's talking about the law of men. There are two types of law. This one is talking about the law of men. So what are the laws? Oh, are you ready? Here's the laws. Matthew 5, 44. Love your enemies. 
Pray for those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Oh, gosh, jeez. They don't stop there. Matthew 6, 14. Forgive men of their trespasses. Oh, wow. This is like eating something you're allergic to. And you know that if you eat it, you're going to die. Like peanut butter or nuts. Man, I was in Colorado one time, and I pulled out a jar of peanut butter, and the girl screamed and ran out the back door. I said, what in the world did I do? She's so allergic to peanut butter, she can't even look at the jar. What? Bring her back in here. I'm going to pray for that devil. I said that too. She didn't come back in. But anyhow, hallelujah. This is some bad stuff. But I ain't done yet. 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? See, when we do all these things, we are overcoming evil with good. This is loving the law. You'll have peace when you do these things, and then you won't be offended. Wow. But let's go further. Let's go to Matthew 5 and 38. Matthew 5, 38. It gets a little deeper here. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. See, again, Jesus is always talking about the law. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I'm going to stop right there because that has always been a little you know, misrepresented because we think, well, if they do something to me, then I can do it to them. It had nothing to do with personal vengeance. None at all. No, this phrase had to do with Old Testament times and it had to do with judges in the Old Testament. You can find it in Exodus 21, 24, Leviticus 24, 20, and Deuteronomy 19, 21. It was only to be used by magistrates in civil cases. God made sure that the punishment fit the crime. So if somebody went out and stole 50 cents, the judges couldn't put him in jail for 50 years because they didn't like the guy. That's what this was about. It had nothing to do with personal judgment. Let's read on to the rest of this because this is where it's really good. If anyone but whosoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now I had to do some digging for this because there's always a reason why there's right or left. I mean, okay, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, why the right cheek? Why not just an uppercut? Why not the left cheek? Why not slap you on the top of the head? Why did it say right cheek? There's a reason for it. And I found out the reason. Now, it does not mean put yourself in mortal danger. It does not mean that you have to take a punch. Okay, it doesn't mean that. The phrase was a form of an insult. It was a way a superior struck an inferior. A superior would take the right hand and they would slap the inferior on the back of the right hand on their right cheek. It was a form of an insult. And the right hand is used 166 times in the Bible. It means authority, sovereignty, superiority, strength. Where's your best man on? The right side, right? Yes? Ownership, integrity. It was very insulting and demeaning to be struck this way. So now what's Jesus saying? Expect insults as well. They can hate you. They can, they can mess over you. They can talk about you. But on top of that, if they insult you, let them do it another time as well. Oh, my gosh. Now we've just regurgitated what we're allergic to. That's what this is like. This is not easy stuff, folks. You know who your enemies are. You know who's talked about you and done wrong to you. Whoa, you know who they are. And Jesus said, hey, you can be unoffendable if you'll do these laws, love them. You'll have peace as well. Whew, man. So for those of you who haven't been offended yet, this is the way you stay unoffended by loving the law, by doing these things, you'll be an undefendable person and you'll have peace. No matter what comes your way, like Pastor said, I'm unoffendable. It can work for you too. Amen? What about those who have already been offended and that are really bad? Remember I said that offended people abort the work of God in their lives. Mark eleven twenty eight. 
25 and 26 says this for those of you that have offenses right now in your life. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, talk about them. Talk behind their back. Talk to your best friend about them. Forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Here's another thing you need to write down. You can't live a walk in faith when faith offended is faith lost. Again, Jesus in his own hometown. They were offended. So faith was dead. You can't live and walk in faith when faith offended is faith lost. You've built the walls toward the person you're offended by and you've built the wall toward God. You're going nowhere. And Jesus will not forgive you either. And guess what? Jesus doesn't hear a sinner. He'll hear a sinner's prayer, but he will not hear you. If he's not going to forgive you, he's not going to hear you until you've corrected the wrong. Yes? You said it earlier, Steve. How do you get rid of offense? You let it go, right? It reminds me of a song. A famous song. Let it go, let it go. Steve, you should have stood up on that. (laughs) How do we let it go? How? I also talked to you earlier about responsibility. When do we take responsibility for ourselves? Responsibility is the right response to your own ability. Pastor talked about it Sunday. He said, hey, God done everything that he was going to do. Now it's up to us. He gave us the power. He gave us the tools. He said, put on the armor. We have all of this. It's right in here. He don't have to do nothing. Take responsibility for yourself. Yes? Huh? Use the right response to your own ability, which is do what Psalms 119, 165 says to do. Start praying for them interceding for them. Oh my gosh, really? And then when you can't do it any longer, you've tried, you're doing your best, then you need to take the right response to his ability. Remember, when we are weak, he is what? He is what? He is absolutely strong. And you might say, well, I don't know. You don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't. And I don't need to know, but Jesus does. And look what they did to him. Oh, I know, but I'm not Jesus. I know you're not. You're striving to be like him. Yes, yes. Pastor Phil, come up here. I'm going to give it to you like this. How you doing, man? You feeling good? I just need you to stand right here, right here. Face me. Face me, okay? Now get ready for this. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Yep. Did you like that? Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad? What do you mean? Did you like it? <laughs> no. Didn't make you feel good, did it? No. No, it didn't. It, it kind of offended you a little bit, right? That I would like do something like that to you in front of all these people and all the people on TV, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great actor, isn't he? Okay? Now, I keep this with me in my truck in case a mouse comes around, a big mouse comes around. It's solid steel, and I can't, you know, it doesn't, I don't lose it either. So when I bang that mouse, you know, it, it won't leave my hand. I have something else for rats in my truck, but this is for the mice in my truck, if you get my point. Without saying anything. All right, are you ready? You ready? I wouldn't do that to you. Here's my point. There are certain offenses that hurt, but you can deal with them. Yep. Amen. You can, you, stay right there, don't move. You can deal with them. You can handle them. You can get over them. But then there are offenses that wound you in a sometimes really deep. And if you don't deal with those offenses, those wounds may never heal and get deeper and deeper and deeper, turning to what? Not only offense, but bitterness, then physical sickness, and ultimately maybe even death. Because 
God's not answering anything until you deal with that hurt. Now stay right there, Pastor Phil, and you can hold this too. Don't move because I want to use you again here in a second. <laughs> here, let me have that back. Thank you. Thank you. That was dumb of me, I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, here, Nicole, you keep it down there. There you go. Sheesh. You know, it, you know, come right over here so I can see you too, okay? Thank you. Sheesh. Hallelujah. So how do we take care of those wounds? Are you ready? Andrew, throw up Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The same way that you can be unoffendable in the first place. There's nothing that changes. Nothing that changes. You have to do the exact same thing. You have to do what? You have to pray for those who curse you. You have to pray for those who despitefully use you. You have to bless them that cursed you. You have to do good to those that hated you and done you wrong. Wow, it's the same way to get the healing, to heal the wounds. It, there's nothing different. 1 Peter 4.8. Wait, wait a minute, don't, don't, don't do that yet. Let me put it this way. Philip, I try, it's, it's hard sometimes to put this into physical things. And then we're going to close. This is the good part. You have been working out in the gym. Yes. How long has it been since you've worked out before you started back up? Seven years. Seven years. I had not been in the gym and worked out since uh, Lincoln had been six months old. So that's 14, almost 14 years. Nicole started a workout program seven months ago now, I think. Six months ago, five months ago. All right? I started seeing an amazing change in her. I, she wasn't hurting anymore. She's, this stuff is happening. This is happening. She's getting up peppy in the mornings, hurting a little bit sometimes because of the workouts. <laughs> but she's seen a great improvement in her life. I started working out after the summer. The house was done. Six, almost, almost seven weeks ago now, I started a workout program. I went in there, and I talked to the trainer, and I said, I'm here to talk to you about a schedule. He said, you're here? Let's start. What? <laughs> that's how he works. If you know Richard Gillespie, that's how he works. So I went in there, and he made me do chest, okay, the first day. It was very difficult. It was hard. He pushed me to my limits, and then after he pushed me to my limit, he pushed me even more to where I thought I was going to cry at times. I went home, barely could turn the steering wheel to get home. I'm not kidding you. The next day, oh my gosh, I feel like a 90-year-old man. I was hurting everywhere. The second day, it felt like a pickup truck had hit me. It got worse. The third day, I thought a semi-truck had hit me. The fourth day, I knew I was dying, Philip. It wasn't getting worse. It, better, it was getting worse. I was in the shower, and I had to put shampoo in this hand, and I had to do this to wash my hair. No lie. I had to get somebody else to scratch my head. Six days it took me before I could actually do this. Or go like this. Six days. You can ask Nicole. It was murder. Now, Philip, you also started, right? In six weeks before I started, I was 214 pounds. I had a wellness check at the doctor. I said, Randy, you have high blood pressure. You weigh 214 pounds. Dude, you've got to do something with yourself. The little Italian lady told me. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. In six weeks, Pastor Philip, I've lost 18 pounds in six weeks. That's amazing. I mean, that's phenomenal to me. It has not been easy. Not one day has it been easy. It has been very difficult. It has been painful. I'm irritable. I'm upset. I want to get offended, but I can't anymore. Now let's go to you. You started in the gym as well. Tell us what happened the first day you were in the gym. You used to be able to bench. This guy used to bench over 500 pounds. He was massive. His wife was like all this all the time. <laughs> I love it. But things happened. You got a little older. 
little gray started coming in. Hey, watch. <laughs> and I could get offended. You could get offended. Not anymore, brother. Now, now you know the word. Right All right, that's right. So was it very difficult the first day? Very difficult. How, how long did it take you to get undifficult? Um, a while. A while. Now, I want to show you guys something. <laughs> now, I was in there. I happened to be in the gym one day when he was in there, okay? We were done. Nicole and I were getting ready to leave. Philip was on his, his rundown. He had gotten worked over big time. He thought he was done. Richard said, you're not done. You have to do something else. What did he tell you to do? I had to do 50 of these. Uh, Up-downs? Up-downs, yeah. Basically... You were already toast, and he told you you need to get on the ground, lay down, and get back up 50 times. Yeah. That's it, Phil. Yeah. That was all you had to do. Yeah, but if you weigh 250 pounds after 30, that's 700, that's 7,500 pounds that you've gotten down and gotten up. After you've already worked an hour and a half yeah. out. So he gets in there, and he starts it. Now, I got my coat on. Nikki's got her coat on. We're watching him. He does, how many did you end up doing, 10? You did 30, 20, okay, about 20, he did about 25. Listen, he was hurting so bad. I, I haven't seen a face like, he was done. He was toast. Richard said, come on, keep going. He was hurting. I, you were hurting. Yep, I had cramps. I was, yep, you I had mean, cramps. I was spent. I, he, was spent. I had no energy. You were going to quit. Yeah. Right there. Mm -hmm. I was done. There's another girl that was in there. Her name is Wendy, and she's been coming for like two years or something like that. She all of a sudden says, Philip, you can do it. Hey, guys, let's help him do it. We're like, well, duh, why are we standing there watching the poor guy? Let's help him do it. We get down and we start helping him do it. Go ahead. Watch this. Come on, it's only five more. Come on, Phil. Jump. That's a good jump, baby. Come on, jump. Get off the ground. Yeah. That's a good jump, man. That's a great jump. Jump. Yeah, baby. Yeah. He got them all done, baby. Philip did it. He did it. Oh. My whole point to all this is this. It's not going to be easy to forgive, especially when you're deeply wounded. It's going to hurt. It's going to take time. It's going to feel bad. You may cry. You may do, you may get angry. But if you'll continue to do Psalms 119, 165, it will heal you. It will change your life. You will be free. You will have peace. And it will be over. Yes. But it's hard. It's difficult. But if you do it the right way, and I don't mean just like, yeah, God, just, just do whatever you want to for him. Bless him today. No, 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 no. He's watching the heart. He wants to see how real you really, you have to really fervently pray for them. Pray for their family. You have to do it. Listen, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, have fervent love or intense emotion for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. That's healing. If you truly want to heal, if you truly want to knock down the walls to them and to God, you have to do one, Psalms 119, 165, and you have to do it with the right heart and the right mind. That's the only way it's going to work. Who knows what's going to happen? God afterwards may tell you to go to that person. Oh my gosh. You probably should have done it in the first place. Most of the time we go to everybody else and we talk about, about them to everybody else anyway. That's sin too. Amen. It is. He may have you go to them. I know a guy who was like that. He thought he was free. Then God tells him to go give him a gift. Take him a gift. And he said, so I didn't just go get a pencil from Walmart. I got him something I wanted. And I went to him and I gave it to him. And, I said, and he said, I want to apologize. I have been offended at you for years. And the guy was like, oh, okay. Takes the gift. And then it opened it up to where they were healed finally together. But if you go to them and say, you know what, you offended me. That's not doing anything. It's not going to go anywhere. I don't know what God will do. As long as you do this, let God be God. And he'll heal you. And he can do it right now tonight. Yes? The last scripture verse right here is one that's very, very good. 2 Timothy 2.24. 2 Timothy 2.24. And the servant of the Lord 
must not strive, strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, pre-adventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Wow. So we have to do stuff in love. We can't do stuff in hate. It's going to get us nowhere. Amen? Amen? All right, everybody stand up tonight. Hallelujah. Phil, just stay right up here with me. Uh, do we have um, our, uh, our altar workers? Uh, if you're here, any altar workers, come on down. Gerald, come on down. John, come on down. Come on down. Mr. and Mrs. Kata Heinrich. I'm sorry, Dosek. Come on down. Ella, come on down. Listen, guys, I want you to be free tonight of all offense. Most of you raised your hands and said that you've been offended by somebody. And I'm sure that some of you are still offended. Remember, it builds a wall. We want the walls to come down, to come down. So these guys are going to do a song. I don't know what they're going to do. Or they're going to play. And I want you to come down. If you need healing somewhere, somehow, these altar workers are here for you. We're here for you. Listen, we're a family. We're a family. We love each other. We should be more strong and more connected as a family than anybody else. If you want to come down and pray on your own, you can. You want to see an altar worker? Maybe they'll help you. Come on down. Right now is your time. Come on down. Get out of your seats. Come on down tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you today, God. And Father, we agree it's touching. And Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. Oh, God, we thank you for truth. Lord God, that the truth will set us free in Jesus' name. God, if we take the first step, it's our responsibility, Lord God, to take that first step and be vulnerable unto you. And God, we thank you that as they do this tonight, God, that you will heal them. God, you will set them free. God, what is this could be holding back their prayers, their answered prayer tonight. This could be holding back their healing tonight. God, as they take that step, God, we thank you that healing will come. Their prayers will be answered. Their emotions will be set free tonight in the name, in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for that tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise for it tonight.